Cubicle to CEO offers programs that generate massive impact. In the last year alone, they've helped over 750 aspiring educators successfully launch their first online course in just three days' time through their bi-monthly live challenge called Paid to Create. Inside their signature 12-month mentorship program, dozens of service providers, coaches, and freelancers have also made their first $10,000 revenue month with audiences of less than 1,000. Hear these students' inspiring stories and learn from their detailed case studies by searching and subscribing to Cubicle to CEO on your favorite podcast player. To all our new and dedicated listeners, you know how much we value supporting women in business here at the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are so happy to share this week's show sponsor, Cubicle to CEO, an amazing podcast that elevates the financial footprint of women entrepreneurs everywhere. Stop guessing when it comes to the finances of your business and start feeling empowered to boost your business's revenue with guidance from some of the best experts in business now. Cubicle to CEO, hosted by Ellen Yin, is a weekly show bringing you case study interviews with leading entrepreneurs and CEOs so you can borrow a specific new revenue growth strategy from each guest that has already been successfully implemented in their own business. Skip the expensive and time-consuming learning curve of testing what actually works by learning from the best and brightest business mentors every Monday. Grab a snack and settle in to hear about the financial details of Cubicle to CEO. Tune in to Cubicle to CEO's case study with Girls Who Code, which I personally love because I've worked with them before, used to be a code mentor, so definitely listen to this episode, to reveal how they achieved impressive enrollment increases by more than 200% during a global pandemic, a jump from 1,600 to 5,000 students enrolled that brought their total students served over to 500,000. Episode 143 goes into detail with the fabulous Dr. Tarika Barrett, the CEO of Girls Who Codes, an international nonprofit organization working to close the gender gap in technology. Want to use the best income growth strategies from top entrepreneurs and CEOs, including Ellen herself? You can binge listen to the past income reports on Cubital CEO today, plus receive your free access to your first 10K month masterclass and a bonus workbook by going to our special link today. That is zen.ai backslash heart CEO altogether. Again, that's zen.ai backslash heart CEO. Have fun listening. Hello, pals. Welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I'm Angel Clayard. And I'm Charisma O'Keefe. And we're here every week talking to you about business, entrepreneurship, skills and tools and all sorts of great things. If you're not already following us on the internet, you can follow us on Instagram at Heart and Hustle Podcast. On Twitter, we're Heart and Hustle Pod. Facebook, we're Heart and Hustle Podcast. And you can leave us reviews on whatever apps you use to leave reviews. Reviews are awesome because they take you like literally less than five minutes and they're so quick and easy but they really really help us to be able to be found by other people so it's just a great way to help your favorite podcast grow so if you have the time today leave us a review and also maybe leave one for a few of your other favorite podcasts because you're just literally helping them grow so much you guys have no idea yeah independent podcasts don't have the finances to kind of do the amount of advertising that some other podcasts do so it's very important to support those small podcasts when you enjoy them. Also want to give an all call shout out to anyone who is doing holiday deals for their small business, their product-based business. Please reach out to us on social 
or email us at hello at heartandhustlepodcast.com because we are trying to put together a gift guide to get you guys into shopping small this holiday season. So we will have that up in the fall on Instagram and on our website. So please submit your product, your business, and then what your offerings are going to be so we can make sure that we represent your business properly. Yes. So we have some listener questions. We've had a few come in over the last few weeks. Um, So we're going to try to do like two probably before most episodes um, for the next little while. If you ever have questions, just go ahead. You can DM us on Instagram or you can send us an email. You can ask us literally anything you want to ask us and we will answer at some point here on the podcast. So um, the first question that we have from listeners is, what are your three most important habits? Um, and they didn't specify like business, personal or whatever, but I'm assuming, you know, this is a business podcast. So I'm assuming they have to do kind of like maybe a little bit of both. Um, so I would say, I, I, I was saying like, as soon as I saw this, I was like drinking water, <laughs> my first one. And that obviously helps with business and everything else. I think that so many people will like be going throughout their day, be super stressed, like not feeling a hundred percent right you know, feeling off and they're like, oh, I don't know what's wrong. And they've been like working for like four hours straight in front of their computer. And it's like, you probably need water. Um, it literally helps with every part of your life. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge water drinker. I've always, always, always have been. I always have water next to me. John, actually, one of his nicknames for me is signs because I typically will have like more than <laughs> <laughs> he's called me that for years like one day like he was like picking up all my drinks at the end of the day and he was like okay signs and now that's just what he calls me so yeah like right now I have. oh my goodness it's please tell the gen z who don't understand the reference what that means so, that is very funny so okay like yes because for example right next to me right now i have like my empty thing for my smoothie and i have a water and i have a tea all right next to me and they're typically in mason jars so in the movie signs like spoiler alert But basically at the end of it, she like has all these like water things and she throws them on aliens and that's how like they don't die. (laughs) So that's all I was telling them like, well, I'm always prepared if aliens come, like I can throw water on them and I'll save the the planet. So I'm good to go. I'm crying because that is very (laughs) funny. Like I honestly, John comes up with the best. And I feel like if you have the water around you, you're just more likely to drink it. And so, or the tea or whatever, because I drink medicinal teas throughout the day too. So I just always have, like, I, like I start my day just making sure I have all of it in front of me and then just keep refilling throughout the day. I also have like a, a water, a glass water bottle that I bring everywhere. If you ever go to a theme park with me or to a movie with me, you will see that I have this bottle. Cause again, it's just one of those things. If you have it with you, you're going to drink it. Um, so drinking water is probably my first one. What about you? I yoga. Like that is, oh, the, yeah. she, she is the moment. She is the key to my, my well being. I actually just got like, so for context, um, I have four computers on this desk. <laughs> this is a long story, but I'm trying oh, to make gosh. it short. And uh, we are trying to fix my problems with my chair that I was sitting at, which was just a, a chair for my dining room. So we got a chair today from Marketplace that is very comfy right now, um, but I'm getting a standing desk soon. And so one of the things that I've been trying to overcorrect my bad ergonomical choices is by doing yoga, which I, I love yoga anyway, and doing it every day has really helped because I, I feel like if I did not do yoga every day, 
in the way that I sit at this desk for 95 hours a day. Right. Like my back would just be like a, a, an ampersand. <laughs> like it just is not, yeah. I am not doing great by my, my systems. And I really like working standing up. That is truly one of my, my things. So yoga has helped for a long time. I've been into yoga, um, but it really re embracing the practice this year and really learning more about deepening certain things and looking at different asanas a different way and different breathing techniques this year has been great. So yoga is definitely a habit that I will, I take with me everywhere I go. It's something you can do while you're traveling. It's very easy to do in the airport, honestly, like real easy without being a menace to society, like stretch yourself out before long flights or long road trips. When you stop at a resting spot, I always do like a series of stretches just to make sure that I'm ready to go for the rest of the ride. So so smart people highly recommend to do that more often. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like one that I do daily that is like really, really great. Oh, I would say something I do really often that's really good for again, both business and personal would be reviewing my behaviors. Um, and by this, I mean anything. It could be, you know, interactions with people. It could be the way I handled something specific in business. And this doesn't mean second guessing everything you do and being like nervous about it and being like, oh no, like did I do the wrong thing? It's not that. Like that's why I specifically don't say worrying about everything I've done. It's reviewing my behavior. So it's like, okay, like was this the best way to handle that? What could I do to improve upon this in the future? Um, And if I need like feedback from someone else, then I can ask for feedback. Like if, you know, if I, decided on something you know for the nonprofit, and then I wanted to like come to you and like review and say hey do you think that you know how do you think I handled that do you think that was the best decision then getting some honest feedback from you on you know did I do the best with that and and what could I have done differently and I think that a big part of it is saying like it's not a whole thing to like be judgmental of myself it is judging but it's not being judgmental. It's just saying, where can I improve, right? Because I'm always wanting to improve, you know, in my personal life and my business life. Um, so looking at how you do things and finding possible better ways to do them or just reviewing and being like, oh, that actually went very well. I'm glad that that went well. Great. I know to continue doing that. We found something that works. I'm going to continue that behavior going forward. Um, so I think that a lot of people kind of do instead of thing where they're like looking at everything they've done and they're like, oh no, I said this in that meeting or oh no, like I said this in that email, like, you know, was that bad? And they're like stressing and and worrying about it. And instead say, you know, just kind of look at it factually and be like, oh yeah, okay. I, I was maybe not delivering that the best in that meeting or, you know, maybe in this email I wasn't as clear as I could have been, or maybe I should have addressed this first. And now I have a game plan for next time. So yeah, just kind of reviewing my behavior. And again, that can spill over into personal as well, just in so many obvious ways. So that's just, I'm always just trying to like get better or at least like review and know that I'm like in the right state, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea of reviewing yourself or checking in with yourself anyway. This is one of the things that people talk about is one of the actions that successful people sort of say when they say successful I mean very wealthy but um I think this would help so many people because truly throughout the past two years if it's taught us anything with these like public outbursts of uh poor behavior is that there is no like 
I, I always wonder like what's the reflection process after a Karen or a Chad has meltdown, you know, like, do they go yeah. home and they're like, I could have handled that differently. I probably could have put my mask on to go through Trader Joe's, like that type of thing. Right. I wonder, which I probably isn't, but I think if more people did that in a way that's healthy, the way you described it, because I do have a lot of uh, friends who suffer from anxiety who are very yep. uh, anxious about behaviors and how they're perceived, particularly, yep. especially in professional situations where it seems like there's a lot at, at stake. And I am the sounding board for a lot of those friends. So I get a lot of texts about like, hey, (laughs) was that okay? Can you read this email really quickly? Does it sound mean? Which is the answer is always no. And does it sound mean? Like, uh, no one is mean in business. You know what I mean? But I think having that regular reflection, like you said, after you do something helps to absolve some of that anxiety because you're doing that often. And so that's such a good idea. And I think more people should do that in general. Like we all should... (laughs) sit down and do a little check-in with ourselves, especially if we have a a moment of tension or disagreement in your, your personal relationships of being like, did I behave in the best manner that I wanted to behave in? And what could I have done to approach the situation differently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. That's a, that's a lovely, uh, I think, I think that's self-care. I think that's like an amazing mm-hmm. act of self-care and reflection. So I think Yeah. And it is like, that. it is one of those things that I definitely think of as a habit because it's, you know, it's not always easy to do in the beginning. You know, it's like, of course I used to look at everything I did. I would look at stuff from like years ago and be like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Like, you know, are people thinking about that? Which it's like, no, because I'm not the center of everyone's universe. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, we think about things on a different, because we're us, you know what I mean? So you're going to think about things differently, but other people are not worried about that thing you said that was embarrassing like three years ago. Like other people don't care. So I used to definitely be more in on that side of things. And I've been like, you know, one of the things that my therapist taught me is like, anxiety is not always necessarily a bad thing. Like sometimes it's, you know, like a warning or yeah, I was going to say it's your, it's your body's yeah. natural intuition and to so be like, like, Hey, okay. Like how do I get my, like my body, my brain back into like the range of like quote unquote normal, which like nothing's normal, but you know what I mean? Like, cause I'm like, mine is like out of whack through the roof anxiety. Where do I bring it to a place where it makes sense? And it's like, okay, well maybe my body's trying to tell me like you started entrepreneurship at a very young age where you were typically the youngest person in the room, often the only black person in the room, sometimes the only woman in the room. So it's like, what, like, it's trying to make sure that I'm, you know, doing the things I need to do to get to that next level, to continue putting food on the table, you know? And so I look at it from that standpoint to be like, okay, like, let me go ahead and do this review. But it doesn't mean I need to like be worried and stressed about like everything I've ever done, or even, even just what I've done that day. It's like, if you make a mistake, Again, things are not always going to be perfect, but it's it's just knowing like, oh, yeah, that was embarrassing or that was whatever. If you can correct something, correct it. And, you know, if you can't move on and just know that you've done the review to like make sure things are better for the next time. Um, and most people find that, you know, most of us that are like not like Karens or, you know, whatever. And like we've been working in our fields for a while. So we like kind of understand how things go like most of the time we're not making like giant mistakes every day but it's still just kind of good to review that behavior and kind of get into the habit of it because then it doesn't become such like a and anxiety inducing like situation to like just look back on what you've done for the day you know yes for sure no i'd love it that should be we could have a total episode about this and self-reflecting and, mm-hmm. and kind of checking in with yourself and and in 
learning to trust your intuition because I think yeah, that's, a that's it's a big skill that's a big part of it. Yeah, that's a skill that has to be worked on. Mm-hmm. So let's piggyback. Like as we got this episode title, let's yeah. piggyback on that for a later date because yeah. I think we could talk on this whole entire episode about that. Yeah, um, another habit that I try to to do regularly is write. Um, writing for me is very personal. Um, it's not, I do it for fun. Uh, I, I don't do it in a, this is where I like, I think in the last episode, I was like, oh, I, I don't journal because I don't. Um, <laughs> for all per- intents and purposes of this podcast, I had a parent read my journal very young and that co- that caused trust issues with that journal oh, real I, quickly. I was like, I will never do that again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when I was speaking very to her very early on about that because she was like, oh, sometimes people find her. And I was like, I don't know. She was like, you don't have to. And I was like, well, you know, you're right. I don't have to. So I'm not going to. Um, so that's one of those things where I'm like, if I don't remember anything, that's on me. I should have wrote that down. But I don't feel comfortable doing it. But I do like fiction writing and I've been doing it for a very, very long time. And it's something I find enjoyable. I've been doing that on Remo for a very long time, <laughs> every year, just to kind of get that goal of doing the 50,000 words. I'm starting a new thing right now and that's very fun. Um, would I ever make it a career? I don't know. I thought about it, especially recently because there's been some calls for some short stories or some um, contributors and some topics that I'm very interested in discussing. So maybe next year I start to like pivot into more of that. I know this year is kind of a hustle down, make all the money year for us. So maybe next year it'd be kind of like maybe dip toes in it a little bit but I do enjoy it and I think it makes you a better entrepreneur regardless of whatever type of writing you do the more you write is the better you are at um you're able to express what you're able to do in a written format and because that's the digital world we live in it's easier to keep things from being misconstrued or confused. So being having clarity in your emails is a skill that we're going to, you know, we're talking about soft skills, but that comes from writing and that's, that comes from doing it every day, I think. And if you're not writing regularly, it's very easy to write emails or suggest things that are very confusing. And so, um, yeah, I enjoy writing because I think it helps me as an entrepreneur, but also as a person, because I feel like I can, again, very, clearly get my point across in a way that I'm not leaving open-ended areas for confusion or for people to take anything and misconstrue it. Like I've never had, I've never written a text that was confusing to anyone where someone took something else away from it when I'm trying to communicate something, especially when I'm being like very serious. I'm like, let me communicate this as clearly as possible one time because I hate repeating myself. And for the most part, it's very understood. And I think that comes from just writing and like learning yeah. how to write properly so um so as we know I've been working on my novel for like a bajillion years off and on but I am actually we just decided this like two days ago we're gonna take a little vacation where I'm gonna have like a writing vacation so we're gonna do a week in North Carolina and I'm gonna not work that week and I'm just gonna write so I'm like really excited I have no idea like I've never taken like a full week to just like do that so I have no idea like how much I'll have done after that, but it's exciting the idea of having, you know, like potentially eight hours a day to just kind of write. And besides that, I'll just be like working out and meditating and hanging out or whatever. So, writer's retreat is your yeah, first writer's retreat. I, like I'm kind of wanting to do one per season until I get this novel done because it's so – sometimes it's just very hard for me to work on it 
during the regular week because we have so much going on. So it's like, it's just, it's been hard for me to be able to focus on it in the way I want. I will say that like other parts of the story have become even more clear during that time. So that's good. So I've been kind of like jotting down those ideas of like, oh, I definitely know this is going to happen and, you know, that sort of thing. But I'm like, I'm, I'm really ready to just like write it, you know what I mean? Like finish writing it. So yeah, I think I'm going to try to take a writer's retreat like seasonally until the novel's done. But I definitely, I'm excited. This one's going to be um, like the beginning of October. Um, so I'm, I'm yeah. super, super excited about that. But yeah, I would say my other one is probably moving. <laughs> And the reason why is just because for me, anything that I want to do creative, whether it be, you know, painting or writing or just like the regular types of work I do, it's photography stuff, videography, whatever, it comes so much easier if I just take a walk. And I know that like Steve Jobs has already taught us this. I know we already all know this, but it really does make a difference. And like having a dog has been helpful because it does kind of force us to walk multiple times a day that we probably wouldn't have like made ourselves walk. But whenever I go for that, you know, short, like 10, 15 minute, sometimes 20, but typically shorter because it's so hot during the day now. Um, I find that it's just like, it's so much easier to come back into work. And she's, we've been doing shorter walks, but she wants more of them because it's, you know, so it's like, we're walking her like five, six times a day. Um, and then the first and last walk are typically longer, but the ones in between are, are shorter and just those short little walks make all the difference. Like I'm very, 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 very lucky and privileged to live on a beautiful tree lined street and there's tons of greenery around here. So just kind of getting out in that for a bit just really, really helps and makes a difference. And then it's so much easier for me to come in and focus on whatever I have to focus on. And because like I'll go through different phases of the day where I'll be like, no, I'm having existential dread because, you know, everywhere you look, everybody's like, everything's terrible and it's the end of the world and everything else like that. And so sometimes it's like just getting outside and like, as we've said before, like touch some grass, like getting outside and touching grass makes all the difference. So it really just kind of helps to center me and that way I can like get back into my day. Absolutely. And then the other question we have is what is your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur? And I would say mine is definitely having a bit more flexibility with my time and how I spend my time. Again, we've said on here before, it does not at all mean that you won't work all the time because typically you will work more. But it's like if you do need a day off or time off or whatever, you are typically able to make that happen in a way that you can't always do when you don't work for yourself. And then I'll say this year, my favorite thing about being an entrepreneur is 100% working with John. Like being able to work with my partner every day um, is just awesome. Like we love working together and it makes the day like hundred percent better. It makes work hundred percent better. And I'm sure as you can imagine, like we're those two that like, we'll be driving back from, they are disgusting. And we'll we'll be like, can you believe we get to do this? Like we get to disgusting. Leave the podcast now. (laughs) And he's a Pisces. So it's like, you know, he's just so he's, he's just like a very like lovey dovey person. So yeah, it's it's really great to be able to work together all day. Disgusting, <laughs> gross, absolutely not. Mom and dad are gross. Um, I know we are. <laughs> yeah, um, I like. Yeah, I think I, I would agree in flexibility because I think that's the piece that allows me to see the world in the way that I get to see it. And even though I, I just pulled up a thread, and they were like. 
people are flying on planes with monkeypox. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> but I do like traveling, you know? So it's like one of those things where it would be very difficult to travel the way that we have done in the past and the way that I like to, which is very much like live like you, like, you know, don't live like a tourist, like live like a local yeah. and travel like a local. And so I think- And whenever you want, <laughs> like- Yeah, and yeah. And what, it, well, <laughs> more so now, less because of, yeah. less now because I have a, a school age child. So the truancy laws will take me to jail <laughs> if she misses too much school. <laughs> like they will yell at me if my child does not go to school. Okay. Um, and I have no interest in homeschooling, so- that is where I'm in the, the sticky situation boat of like, we'll see what happens until we figure out a remote school situation that I like. But until then, uh, yeah, I think having the, the freedom to do things the way I want to. I like working. I like being busy. I like doing things. I may not like my job all of the time. Like I may think it's a mental drain and a waste because it is. And a lot of the work that I do is leaning into marketing and marketing is manipulation at the end of the day it's it's at the core of the business you know what I mean in some pieces and so you know we lean more into the brand side of it which is nice so I don't have to do all of the icky you know stuff that I don't like to do but I sometimes have to do it you know uh yeah there's a whole bunch of market uh little memes about Don Draper about like how he had like three weeks to come up with like a one page like cover ad or something like that and I'm like I that's my day Don Draper always like beans ketchup and then acts like he did something like amazing and i'm always like why did people think this was so great like people do so much more work than this now it's, it's crazy um, it's truly honestly the 60s were an interesting time he just drank all day oh god <laughs> he was drunk <laughs> yeah so i yeah i think from entrepreneurship the freedom and the flexibility for for the, that to to have not be tied into a system that I don't agree with or to be tied to a company whose missions I don't agree with. And I know it's very difficult when you want to make a lot of money as an employee, those people typically work at companies that tend to do things that are a little shady and that would not sit right with me. And I'd have a problem working for some of the companies that you quote would need to, to, so to speak, to make large money in my field and what I do. So I'm kind of lucky that I can pick and choose what companies I want to align with. And then if I don't see it for them, I just say goodbye. So, um, yeah, I will say that it's, it's good in that way. But there are a lot of things that entrepreneurship in 2022, it's difficult. But mm-hmm. um, you talk about, I think maybe and we'll have, you know, more newer entrepreneurs on the show. Maybe we can talk to them about their perspective post-pandemic life of what it's like to even start a business. Yeah. That's I- very interesting. I'd definitely be interested to hear what it's like coming into the game now for sure. So soft skills are something that continue to come up. I feel like every other episode, at least like we, you know, we're like, every day I scream into the abyss about someone not understanding how to do something that is labeled as a soft skill. (laughs) So we're going to get into soft skills today. We're going to share 10 soft skills with you and talk about why you need them. But starting off, we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about like what are soft skills and kind of like some soft skills versus hard skills. So I'm just going to kind of like name out a few. So some soft skills would be, you know, dependability, communication, open-mindedness, teamwork, problem solving, critical thinking, organization. Those, Those things would be soft skills. And then things that you would typically think of more of as hard skills would be like 
SEO marketing, data mining, uh, like interface design, engineering, uh, programming languages. Yeah, like being able to do like Python or Ruby or whatever. Even being like bilingual would be one. Uh, Adobe software type stuff, database management, uh, any any of that is more of like your hard skills. And the way that I always look at it is like if I'm doing hiring, I'm always going to look for soft skills because I think that a lot of them are harder to teach than hard skills. Like most of the time people have a certain way, like a company will have a certain way of how they like to do certain things for hard skills. And of course, like certain things, you know, you might need to know how to do, you know, for the particular job or whatever. But a lot of times, like those are things that they have training for, like a lot of companies provide training for and can help with and whatever. Whereas like soft skills, there's not really a lot of companies that have like, a class on integrity and dependability. You know what I mean? It's like, those are things that if like you don't have coming into the job, then you're probably not going to have. And I also think that there are things that are harder to uh, develop because I know like from being married to a teacher for so long, like critical thinking is something that they try to teach in school. And a lot of parents don't connect with like, like a lot of parents would question like, well, critical thinking, but I'm not like, you know, and it's like, no, we're trying to teach this for a reason. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like soft skills are something that can take a longer time to develop. And it's kind of like if you, 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 you're kind of expected to kind of develop those on your own time. You know what I mean? Like not necessarily learning them from a company. So, Yeah. For sure. Um, so we're going to get into it because this is, again, like I talked about, a rant that I have once a week. I complained about it last week because it was just, it's very, um, C-suite executives I find very much struggle with soft skills because they've gotten to a point where they don't flex those muscles. So yeah, I was going to say, do you want to like, is there, like, can you tell us any stories without giving anything away about, you know, people and work and stuff? Oh, there's so many. Um, <laughs> let me be kind. Choose kindness. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that happens a lot of times in, in larger organizations is as you move up, you tend to step away from doing the day-to-day operations of what you were typically hired for. And you get into more of an overseeing kind of overarching like planning role. I mean, really, that's what C-suite work is. It's planning. It's seeing the big vision and trying to implement it through the talent that's beneath you. And so um, you you typically just see the industry, you have experience in that arena, so you can have that kind of uh, expertise, so to speak, in like what is important and how to implement that into the company that you've been in, because a lot of times those people are have been in companies for a very long time. So it, it's not that it's not important work because it is in a certain aspect of having someone who has that experience and understanding that wisdom. The problem is there is very little like day-to-day tactics. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's no hard deliverables that come out of that work. It's a lot of mental just planning and foresight and making sure that you're managing the people beneath you and developing the talent pipeline and making sure that they understand the industry and kind of just, you're kind of just a sponge, like you're, you're where you're dripping, like somebody's ring, you're bringing yourself out and your knowledge is raining down beneath you. But the problem is once you get that far up, you're out of the day-to-day weed, so to speak. And so you can't see what's really happening. And so you don't do a lot of things like sending emails or you typically, a lot of people have executive assistants who do that quote unquote clinical work for them. And so people don't know how to like, discern 
certain things of like when you're setting a meeting with several different people and what that looks like and looking at calendars and making sure that there's like entering a space if someone has a meeting before then just so there's not like back to back you know that type of thing like that's that's empathy work you know Uh but when you get to a certain point you don't a lot of people don't put empathy first it's more so like this is business this is like a hard level we're just trying to get things done we're trying to get taxes done and I think there's a lot to be said about being empathetic but also understanding how to implement empathy and business work (laughs) which is a totally different beast but part of that comes from having soft skills and that comes from communicating effectively and so one of the things I talked about and like why writing is so important is because you learn how to be very clear in the way that you communicate and so you communicate less often because you're more precise and I think a lot of entrepreneurs when they start off fresh out of college a lot of the time sometimes fresh out of high school jumping into business and kind of communicating for the first time as an entity, either put on this hat of like, this is what a business is supposed to sound like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or they do a thing where they're like, okay, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be me. So I'm going to talk the way that I would talk. And that's authentic. And that's the kind of brand that I like. And what people don't understand is that brands that you like are manufactured. Yep, <laughs> there are brains behind the brands who make this sound like the way it's supposed to sound so that you can feel comfortable enough to engage there yep. is not someone just getting up and talking and speaking and there are people who do that but still at the end of the day when it gets to a certain point they're typically a marketing person or someone behind it to kind of orchestrate that conversation so in in terms of like communicating effectively to your audience, what does that look like? Making sure that you're checking your 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 posts before you go, their social posts before they go out, emails before they go out. Those are things that are typically learned in school. Like you said, like double check your work. How yep. many times do your teachers say that? And it's not just because you need to do well in tests and not make what my teacher would always say, this is a chaotic mistake because you know the answer. You just... Uh-huh. reason I'm past it that's what happens today in reality and it's coming from very like this these, these things used to be like not allowed I understand that we're allowing for more humanity but there's also a certain point where you need to make sure that you want to represent yourself in the best case and that's making sure that you just a go back over what you're doing or like what charisma does in her home like have eyes on yep. things so that mistakes careless mistakes quote unquote don't go out and that's part of that quote unquote soft skills and it's extra work so to speak because it is bogging down but in the long run it's very effective and the same thing can be said about system building and this is an an argument i have lots of people about building good systems up front because once you get busy people then are like oh it'd be so great if i had a way to automate this or i wish there was a way and it's like that does all the things exist yet and you weren't thinking about it before you just wanted Mm -hmm. to do the work but you have to go in and pre-plan to have your email templates ready, to have your print templates ready. If you're a designer, have your design templates ready. If you're a writer, have your template. Like all of that templatization stuff up front helps you be more effective because then you can do the work that you enjoy doing without spending a ton of time just doing what is known as busy work. Yeah. So, so I'm going to read through these 10 soft skills and then we're going to kind of break them down and like give some examples and that sort of thing. So the skills that we're going to be going through today are communication, time management, stress management, dependability, critical thinking, teamwork, adaptability, organization, integrity, and empathy. So let's kind of go through those and explain a little bit about 
how to do them correctly and and where you would benefit. So starting with communication, um, I think that this, you know, this, this one is, and a lot of these things that we're listing out, you'll see people write them sometimes on their resume. And I think that some people think, oh, I don't want to write these things on my resume because these things should be obvious like this this but they're not trust me so it's like if these are actually things that you excel in make sure that you write these soft skills on your resume make sure that you're clear about how you do these as well because sometimes people will say oh communication yeah i can do that but they don't actually know what that means so they're just throwing it on there and then when they're asked about an interview they're not actually going to be prepared to explain how they are great and they're excellent at communicating. Um, so again, like you were just saying, a big one with this is being able to write emails, <laughs> being able to write emails that are professional, that are not offensive, that are clear in what um, the objective is, um, that are addressed to the right people, um, that address the situation correctly. Uh, there's a lot of layers to, to to communication when it comes to that sort of thing. But it's like it's we see it all the time and, and companies hate like to have to deal with this sort of stuff. But you see people email each other things that are not appropriate. Right. And then it's like a whole it's like a PR nightmare and it's a HR nightmare and everybody's involved. And it's so it's like simply knowing like when is the right thing to say something at work, what is correct to say at work, what isn't correct to say at work and who to talk to about what is huge. Um, and that goes for obviously like communicating in person as well, communicating through uh, like when you're talking to clients, communicating in meetings, any of that sort of stuff, anywhere where there's communication, it's so important to be able to do that effectively. It's so important to be able to do that with respect for others. And it's so important to be able to do that in a way that gets your objective across because it's also like, we don't want to waste time, right? So everybody's heard the phrase like, that like meeting could have been an email. And it's like, that's one of those skills is knowing when that meeting should be an actual email. And and like you said, like when people get higher and higher up, sometimes they lose that sort of like insight because they're not practicing those skills. But that's really a great way to be more effective and to just be more respectful of your employees' times. If you're constantly calling a meeting when it could have been an email, your employees are not really going to love that. And they're going to feel like, wow, my company is not really great at time management. And when they get an opportunity with another company that is, then they're probably going to leave. Yep. For the most part, it's just being smart about your choices, <laughs> making good choices, understanding what you're doing is a fact it's it's not only just representing you and a lot of times it's it's representing the company that you work for or your company if you own it so taking the time to think about things if you get into a disagreement writtenly uh writtenly is that's not a word <laughs> written disagreement write your response and take a break and come back in 24 hours read it again and then send the communication remove emotions from communications. And those are things that I understand are difficult. We're humans. We're supposed to be people. But a lot of times there's a lot of overreaction from the first, like, sense of reading something that seems upsetting. It's like, oh, no, this is bad. I got to do this. Or I don't like the way that this person approached me. And it's truly like stepping away, taking 24 whole hours, coming back to it after the fact and rereading your response, and then editing as need to, and then send saves so many lives. <laughs> like, I cannot <laughs> explain that enough. So yeah, just breaking down your communication channels, learning the way that people 
read things differently. Like a lot of more kind of communication is more casual, which is totally fine. But understanding, like Charisma said, being respectful of people's time is important. Um, it's making sure that you're not just picking up the phone and calling people, which is a big no-no in 2022. You just do not pick up the phone and randomly call people without warning, uh, that type of thing. So sh- just be sure to to think about setting maybe some rules about communication and your channels of communication and when to use them and then uh, trickle that down to your employees. That's a really great tool and system, I think, for newer people because a lot of people use their own personal day-to-day communication style and they move it into their professional world. And that's just not realistic. And so having that knowledge to share down with younger people is very uh, vital. So for sure. So the second one is time management. And I think this one is so huge, especially now because people used to want to know, like, are you a self-starter? Can you manage your own time? That sort of thing. But now like, so many people are working from home. So when you're working remotely, you need to be even better at time management because you truly do not have somebody looking over your shoulder. And while I love that, and I think that that's great, like not everybody is great at managing their time. And if you are an entrepreneur, it's like you're fully in charge of managing your own time, right? It's like you can honestly waste so many hours like doing busy work or like kind of half doing things or maybe you're like letting yourself get distracted by something else. You're just like not working to the best of your ability. So it's really important to learn how to manage time. And I think that where we kind of learn this as a soft skill in school and like grade school and stuff is studying. Like we kind of learn how to like focus in like this is why like you have that time to study. And like I can remember times where the teacher would be like, all right, like everybody's going to study for this test or whatever. And like, they would give us maybe like 15, 20 minutes, you know, and we were supposed to kind of like be quiet and focus in and like review our notes and whatever. And it's like, that's a great way to like focus on time management. As you get into like high school, you really like that time you have to find on your own after school. And, you know, maybe you're the type of person that reads something once and you never have to look at it again. And that's great. But most people would have to study a bit and find that time to like review things, do their homework, whatever. So it's like that time management, those skills come into play when you're an adult and you're, you know, you're looking at the five projects that you have to do and deciding how to break those up. And, you know, I know a lot of people will say, okay, I like to focus on like the bigger things in the morning because that, you know, helps me just kind of get those things out of the way. And then I can do like smaller tasks later in the day. There are some people that like to put all their meetings in one day because they're like, it just helps me to be able to just kind of get in that like, you know, mindset. And then I can just, you know, knock all of those out. And then I have time the rest of the week where I'm not having meetings interrupt my day. So there's so many different ways to do it. And especially if you're an entrepreneur and you control it completely. But I will say, I think that time management is one of the biggest downfalls for entrepreneurs like I really feel like that's where so many people can't make it work because they're not used to managing their own time and when you say well this day is yours and you can really do it however you want but at the end of the day what you're going to put in and not put in is going to affect your your bottom line and how much money you're able to make and if you're able to like do it sustainably um I feel like a lot of people just can't (laughs) can't get like their time frame together and they can't figure out how to spend that, you know, five hours, eight hours, however many hours they're going to work for the day, they can't figure out how to get that in and be effective with it. Um, So I think that's maybe one of the most important uh, 
uh, you know, soft skills that are on this list. And when you think about it, it's like we have so many distractions nowadays, like even social media. I think social media is important for a business. I think it can be really beneficial for a business. But I also think that so many people spend way too much time on it. And unless your business is being an influencer, um, then you need to make sure that you're also spending your time on your actual business. So if you're not doing your taxes, if you're not, you know, making the actual product or doing the service well that you've offered to your clients or customers, then it doesn't really matter if your social media presence is great. I know people that have, you know, over a hundred thousand followers on social media and literally make zero dollars. They come to me and they're like, this is my following and this is how much money I make. And I don't know how to like turn this into making money. And a lot of times that's because of time management because they're spending all of their time just trying to look busy on social or just trying to stay up on the new trends on social and not actually doing their job. Um, So time management is just absolutely critical when it comes to, you know, just life in general. (laughs) Because again, like people that like, and I get it, people are definitely busy, but I also think that a lot of people let the day get away from them when it comes to like social media and things that aren't necessarily as important. I would much rather see people spending, you know, time like managing, taking care of themselves. Because if you are spending 30 minutes walking or 30 minutes doing yoga or, you know, preparing like a healthy meal for yourself, you're going to have a lot more energy and feel a lot better throughout the day anyway. So it's going to be easier to focus and get work done versus if you're like, I want to spend an extra hour on TikTok, which trust me, like we've heard me talk about how I love TikTok. Like I would love to spend the extra hour on TikTok as well. But that's why I typically leave TikTok for the end of the day. And I set a timer for like 15 or 20 minutes. Because if not, I could be I could easily be on TikTok for six hours. But that's not going to help me be able to, you know, live the life I want to live. So Absolutely. Um, Again, we've talked about the Pomodoro technique here before. I think a lot of people when starting out professionally find that very helpful when they have to work remotely or work for themselves. It's just the act of working for 20 minutes and taking a 10 minute break and then starting that over. Um, Making sure you start to um, document how long your tasks take. So time tracking early on is very helpful because then you can have a better estimate of how you spend your time. So I think one of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make or even new remote workers is they're like, oh, this is only going to take me so long and I have all this extra time. And then it turns out a task takes you longer than you thought you would. So a thing that is easy to do is just assume everything's going to take longer than you think it is. And then when it doesn't, you're so excited. You're like, oh, it didn't take me that long to do that at all. And uh, free up some time. And then you have some extra time to kind of, again, be more flexible in doing some other things. The same with driving. I think that's a big issue for people who work remotely is that they're like, oh, I want to go work at a coffee shop or work do this and da, da, da. And they don't put in the time that it takes to travel to this aforementioned location or if the internet doesn't work or setting up your computer, that type of stuff. So making sure you buffer your time and manage your calendar and write things down. If you're a written person and you like a planner, use that. If you're a digital person, use your Google Calendar. Just make sure you're updating it and keeping it up to date so that way it's more effective and reflective of what your day-to-day looks like. And I don't think there is a right way, so to speak, of managing time. I just think that it's important to find the way that works for you. Yes, 100%. So another thing to manage is your stress. Um, that's a hard one for sure. <laughs> I feel like even before yeah, like, the pandemic, yeah, we're like, did you manage your stress well? <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like before the pandemic, it was still a hard one to manage, but you know, people that can manage their stress and kind of like, 
uh, I think like maybe keep work at work, right? Like, or at least in that mindset, I know a lot of us work from home now, but kind of keeping work at work and maybe not letting that stress spill over into the rest of your life. So you can have times when you're not stressed. um, So you're taking care of yourself, doing things even throughout the day, like again, using different techniques to, you know, be able to take breaks and and that sort of thing. Um, Giving yourself like a healthy snack when you need it or whatever to, to help manage stress. All those things can be really important because, you know, a lot of us work jobs where there is a stress factor um, and we we have to be able to continue to work through that stress. So I think there's it's knowing the difference between like, hey, this is a sort of stress where maybe you need to take a day. And I think that's that's a soft skill to know when you need a break, right? So I don't want to get to a point of burnout. This stress is too much. I need to take a day off or this stress is manageable. I can work through this stress. This is a stressful project, but I'm doing the things to support myself through this. So that's, that would be what managing that stress is. So yeah, it's, it, again, it's going to look different in every circumstance in every, you know, situation, but just kind of making sure that that's something that you are monitoring, that you're reflecting on and you're knowing that you're taking care of yourself and putting your, you know, mental health first when it comes to stress. And I do think that there's a lot of companies that don't care, (laughs) that they're just like, I'll just work you to burnout. And when you burn out, if you quit, then I'll find somebody else. I I unfortunately think that there's a like, I mean, we live in, you know, a capitalistic society. So there's a lot of that sort of mentality. But for yourself, for your well being, like, don't let that be the case. And obviously, if you're an entrepreneur, make that something like if you are starting out and it's just you in the business right now, make that something you prioritize. And when you bring other people on board, make that something that they prioritize. Like, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. I've typically worked alone, sometimes partnered with other businesses and that sort of things. And when I started the nonprofit, like, I had to let my partner know. Like, these are the levels of stress that, like, we're not going to be doing. Like, I'm not going to put myself through that. And you should not put yourself through that. You're new to entrepreneurship, so I'm going to be the one to to lead that in this case. But it's like, we can't be doing all that because that's leading to stress and that's not managing our stress properly. And we don't want that to spill over to volunteers and the board and whoever else. Like, that's not how we want to operate. So it's very important to basically create a system, so to speak, of how to manage that stress and and what that looks like for for you and where you're at. Absolutely. Yeah. I think learning very early on about the things that trigger you and you can laugh and be like, oh, libs and the word trigger and whatever it is, pick your word. Um, But there, everyone gets triggered by things and there's something that will always cause that stress and anxiety. Uh, so how do you manage that and what that looks like for you and what you need to do in your day to day to ensure that you lower your stress levels? Because stress is the number one killer. Like it does murder people. Like it's very easy to be a very healthy person and then just have too much stress and keel over. So making sure that you're setting yourself up for success. Entrepreneurship is not easy. And this is one of the things that people talk about is having the skill set to know when you can manage that stress and what that looks like. So Learning that, again, if that looks like moving your body in the middle of the day, changing your diet, drinking more water, taking more breaks, doing less, making uh-huh. less money. And not uh-huh. everyone is set yeah. up to be the six, seven, eight figure plus, plus, plus person. And that's fine. Like, that is uh-huh. stressful. There's a lot of stress that comes with that. And people don't talk about that. They're all like, oh, I'm on a jet. Oh, da 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 
But there's stress that comes with it. There's a lot yeah. of anxiety. Even if you are just the, the name, there's still a lot to go with that. And so what does that look like for you? And how do you manage that stress is very important, very key. So I think being alive is way more important than being wealthy. <laughs> just uh-huh. Ab- FYI. Absolutely. So. And that is unfortunately something that needs to be said more often in America because it's very true. Ooh, capitalism. We love yeah. it. Look, I love money. I am not anti-cash. We like to, to not struggle. We like to not we enjoy the bag. Uh, and, and financial freedom is a key to relieving some stress for sure. I'm not even going to lie about that. But if it gets to a point where you can't sustain it, you got to take a break and you got to fall out. So, mm-hmm. so number four is dependability. And this is huge. Um, we see companies that will be like, can you get to work? You know, can, is that, are you going to be able to show up? Because that's the thing. People will get a job and then not be able to actually get there. Um, are you going to be answering emails in a timely manner? Are you going to just do the things that are expected of you? Like, you know, if you know what your job is and you're clear on what your job is, are you going to do those things as a entrepreneur? Are you going to deliver to your clients? Are you going to deliver to your customers? Like people are depending on you to make sure that you basically just do your job. Right. (laughs) Um, and that's, that's, I think something that there is a disconnect where a lot of people, kind of uh I'm looking for the right word it's like they get like almost like defensive when they don't show up the way they're supposed to and this has definitely like we've experienced this recently with real estate where we had a lender that said that they could do a b and c and they couldn't do a b and c and it's fine that they couldn't do a b and c but they should have been upfront about that and so we're all depending on them to do a b and c and they could not deliver on that and now we know that that lender is not dependable because they didn't do what they said that they were able to do. And they knew that they couldn't do that. And, and it came out afterwards that they were aware. Um, so that's just not being dependable. And obviously, that's not somebody who we're going to want to work with again. So it's like you need to make sure that you're able to show up and be clear on what it is that you can be depended on and then show up for those things that you know people are depending on you for. Absolutely. Um, I think that's, it's like an unfortunate thing, but that's what happens with a lot of, the dependability has two sides to it because there is like, you're dependable and you can move forward in life by being dependable, but there's also dependable and people step over you. So I want people to understand that being dependable doesn't mean being a walking mat and like a doormat and people can just walk all over you you have the freedom to to be say no when you need to and set boundaries. But I think again to Kristen's point, don't say that you can do things and then are unable to show up and, and do the things that you said you were gonna do. And it definitely impacts your business and the way that people view you. And one bad referral is all it takes. Like it just takes one bad review for people to no longer trust you. So dependability is tied into your trustworthiness. And that comes with just doing what you say you're going to do. And if you don't want to do those things, don't agree to do them. Like there are so many things where I've now so many, so many services that I would never do again. Cause I'm like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I just don't find joy in doing it anymore. And I'm not going to offer them. People are like, Oh, I heard you did this. And I'm like, I don't do that no more. <laughs> I'll send it to you to somebody who does, but I don't want to do that. I don't have any interest in doing it. I won't be dependable if you ask me to do it. And I let people know if there's something that like a friend is like, Oh, I absolutely need you to do. It. I'm like, look, it's going to take me a very long time. Like, this is not my jam anymore. Like, if you have no other choice and this is the person, like, you really want me to do it, 
it's fine. I will get it done, but it is not going to be fast. Cause I'm like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just being upfront is so much easier than lying and then like not showing up. 100%. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like to me, it's like part of dependability is just being honest in what you can and can't deliver. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I'd rather, I'd rather know. I'd rather be upfront with, you know, everybody knows at this point, if you're emailing me, it's going to take a, a minute to hear back because it's 2022 and we are in year whatever of this pandemic and it's a lot. So unless it's an emergency, which like people who have emergencies with me know that they can text or call me. Um, but not everybody can do that. And if you can't text or call me, then that means that whatever you have for me is not an emergency. So it's like, you know, but that's, I'm very clear and upfront in what people can and cannot expect from me. And I think that that's just incredibly important um, to be able to do. And again, that goes back to communication, being upfront about that sort of thing, being able to explain to people where you're coming from or whatever, so that they know, okay, but if she says she's going to do this, then she is, and I can depend on that. You know what I mean? Um, so there's certain things that it's like, I always know that I'm going to do no matter what, I'm going to get those things done. Um, and again, when you can't get those things done, you communicate them in an effective time frame beforehand. So people aren't de- depending on you and you're like basically not following through. Um, so yeah, dependability is huge. And it's like when you go, especially when you go work for, cause a lot of people in entrepreneurship, like they also work for other entrepreneurs and work with other entrepreneurs. And sometimes when they stop owning their own business, they'll work specifically with other small businesses. I see that a lot because they kind of understand the culture of like small businesses, which has like a different culture than the corporate world. Right. And so it's like, it's so important to, if you're going into those roles, it's so important to be dependable because like if you're working for a small business, they typically have less employees and everything that that employee does really matters. You know what I mean? It's like at the end of the day, it's not to say that if you're not doing your job at Target, it's not to say that like the company still won't suffer, but it's not going to be the same way that a small business suffers. You know what I mean? So long as you're not like being racist at your job, Target will probably be fine so long as you don't like punch someone or do something like completely out of pocket. But if you're just like kind of slacking on the job and you're not showing up the way that you really need to and you're not being super dependable, Target will survive. But like a small business might not. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't show up to your shifts at like a little boutique store, a little small local coffee shop, and you don't show up or you're not you know, dependable to be like nice to customers or you're maybe not being dependable when it comes to maybe they're ordering like soy milk and you're giving them like whole milk, like I don't care. And then that person gets sick. It's like, these are things that could make or break a small business. So it's like, if, especially if you're, you know, working as an entrepreneur, working with other entrepreneurs or for them, it's like, it's so important to make sure that you're dependable before taking on a role like that. Absolutely. Um, the next thing that we want to talk about, which is very, I think it falls into where I complain about, like, also the, the topic of common sense is critical thinking. And this is a skill that is developed over time. It takes a lot. Um, you know, they always talk about how, like, the your frontal lobes are not fully developed until you're, like, 25 years old. And that's where all of that common sense, critical thinking stuff is, is in there. And so a lot of times you, there, it's it's truly just experience and learning and and being around people and understanding the way world the world works and getting out of your bubble and i find this to be of people who are more affluent and have grown up in 
neighborhoods that live with people that just look like them. If you're anybody who lives in a neighborhood with just people who look like you or who believe the same things that you do and you don't see the world or get to know people who are different than you, you very much struggle with thinking about things outside of your bubble. And that comes into that critical thinking lens of like, what, how would the world see this? And if you can't see it the way that the world would see it, or you don't have the understanding to ask, you know what I mean? Like, you don't like, oh, I should reach out to someone else. And this is how we get into all of these marketing campaigns or products or movies or et cetera, where we're like, this went through so many people and no one said that this was a bad idea. It's right. Like, the critical thinking was missing because no one thought that that was important. It wasn't a part of the checklist. And that's something that comes with experience. Like as an entrepreneur, you are the person that comes with the checklist. <laughs> you don't, there is no checklist. You don't, you don't become an entrepreneur and they say, Hey, these are things that you think about. Like you can Google it and there could be some options. So like, what are things to look at before you send an email? Sure. There could be some lists, but when it comes to your audience and your product and your business, you have to come up with that checklist. It's up to you to see the things that you need to look at and do and et cetera, and do all your, your thinking before you do something like that's totally on you. And so this is so difficult because I don't know how to do it. And as a parent, this is difficult. <laughs> yeah. This is difficult. The spirit of discernment is not within certain children. I've learned that through oh, having goodness. a child. I, uh, I had the spirit of discernment very like, I'm, I don't, I don't want to say that I'm a very empathetic person because I don't want people to think that I, I like, I don't want to say in a way of like, oh, I just think that I, I think of people first, but I really truly as a child very early on had the spirit of discernment and just understanding a situation. And that is a gift and not, not at all something that was taught to me. That was just something that I had. Um, and so teaching that to children is very interesting because that's not, the way that some people think. And I've learned that through that, that through having a child, I would have never known that people don't think about things. Like, I was like, oh, you don't think about X, Y, Z until you, when you walk in the room? I was like, when I was, you're, that's the way I thought, but that's not the way everyone thinks. And that makes more sense about the adults that I interact with. Like, oh, people yeah. truly don't think about certain things. Like they don't think about not like checking the back of your car every time you you get in the car with a child, like before you get out the car. That's right. not something that a lot of people think about. Like you're just like, I'm on my, my way. I'm like on my way to do my whatever, or I'm tired or like not driving when you're tired or not driving when you drive. Like this right. things that are just simply think, I'm not saying live in paranoia and live in fear and like consistently hold yourself back from enjoying and experiencing life to the fullest. Cause I think that sometimes what is considered critical thinking can lead to that. But it's not hard to have the worst case scenario lens on sometimes before you engage in doing something. And I think the um, game that like Beth Pearson and Randall Pearson would play on this is like worst case scenario. I'm so glad that that was in a a TV show because now people can make a game out of it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Things like not to say that you should live in and the way they do it is very like uplifting and comedic and funny. Like it's like, what is the worst thing that could actually happen if we do X, Y, Z before they make a choice? And I think more people should do that. Yeah, I think looking at like, what is the worst situation that can happen? What is the best situation that can happen? What do we want to happen? And what is likely to happen? Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I was always like a cautious child. So I've always been like, a critical thinker because of she's, that. she's always been a cautious child today. 
Yes. Like to this day. I I am. I'm extremely cautious. I think because I have like three cousins that are kind of like a little more wild than I am and I grew up near them and I would just watch them do things. And I mean like obviously like everything has consequences. And when we were younger, the consequence was often them breaking their bones. And so like this was something that I would just see them do things and I'd be like, I'm not sure that's a great idea. And they would do it and then they would go to the hospital. And so there's like this very big like, you know, alarm in my head that's like, okay, we should we should think about something and then maybe not do it, you know? And so it's like jumping off the side of a trampoline, you know, for example, or or doing like a like a hand like back handspring round off kick from like one trampoline onto another trampoline. Sometimes I would be like, maybe this isn't the best thing for us to do. And they would be like, I'm going to do it. And they would do it and literally break a bone and go to the hospital. Broken ankles, broken, all sorts of broken things. Their friends would come over and break their bones at like, I couldn't imagine like, (laughs) you know, like having a kid over my house and my friend breaks their bones at my house. But this is like something that would occur at their house all the time. And I would go there and I would just be like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that because that doesn't seem smart. Um, And, you know, at like, seven, eight years old, like this is just how I would like process things. And so it's kind of the same thing when you grow up, oftentimes it's less extreme, but it's just like, you know, sometimes it's the way you like, you're going to engage with a colleague, like maybe you're upset with something they did and you have to think about, does this actually affect me? How am I going to go about the conversation? You know, just like kind of having a little bit of dialogue with yourself before you go and have that dialogue with somebody else and just think critically about like how that's going to work. Even when you're like creating your contracts and things like that, if you're even if you're working with a lawyer, thinking critically about like how will this contract play out? What information do I want to make sure is legally bound so that it makes my life easier later? Um, the stuff that you're going to share in the beginning, like think critically about like how that's going to play out with, with an employee or, or with a client or a customer, you know, just like, it's literally just, I think people like overthink the word, but it's literally just like thinking a little bit more about things before you do them. Or again, after you do them, like I said, top of the episode, kind of reviewing your behavior and, you know, just doing a little bit of self-reflection, um, to, to go and see what, you know, what you want to do next time, maybe a little differently. I like to do a lot of prep instead of just self-reflection. I do self-reflection, but I like to do prep as well and just kind of, you know, run like when I'm going to do something major or anything like that, I'm definitely running that by some people, getting some opinions, you know, that sort of thing. So, and John and I like with clients all the time, it's like before we jump on a call with a client, we'll kind of talk about how we would like to lead the conversation, right? Because a lot of times people buying houses have no idea what's going on, no idea what they're doing. They have a lot of strong opinions, which is great. But it's like we also need to make sure they're educated in the home buying uh, process and, you know, kind of know what they're doing going into it. So it's like we kind of talk through that conversation ahead of time, especially when we know kind of what the client's personality is like and know what their concerns are going to be and whatever. So it's just kind of like being a little more prepared doing a little reviewing, thinking in the moment if you have to, but just thinking and think sometimes thinking not just from your perspective, but looking at things as a whole, looking at the whole situation outside of just your blind opinion in the moment. Because when we're just constantly going off of 
the passion of how we feel in the moment, like we're not going to be able to think critically about an entire situation. Um, most situations, a lot of situations, it's easy to see different sides of that situation where different people are coming from, that sort of thing. So it's like if you just give yourself a moment, you can probably, oh, okay, yeah, I, I kind of get why they would have thought this or where they're coming from or, or why they needed explained a different way or whatever it is. And then you're just going to be able to problem solve a lot easier. And, and critical thinking is such a huge like component to problem solving. You're going to be able to problem solve faster and more efficiently with more ease if you're practicing your critical thinking skills. So just keep that in mind. I think it's, you know, again, this is one that they they try to teach in school and it kind of gets kind of just run over in public schools a lot of times uh, because it's not on a test per se. Um, so yeah, just make sure that it's one that you're practicing. And again, all these things you can practice and get better at, like, just cause you're an adult doesn't mean you can't de continue developing these habits. So, you know, keep that in mind. So the next one we're going to go into is teamwork, um, which is, you know, important, whether you work for a company, you work for yourself, you work with others all the time, or you work with others sometimes, because at the end of the day, we're always going to like, people are where business comes into play. Like you can't really make money or conduct a business without any people being involved. So whether you have customers, whether you have clients, whether you work with other people, whether you have subcontractors, whatever the situation is, you're going to work with people at some point. Um, so making sure that you have those teamwork skills to work on a team and be, you know, don't be the person who like on, on, on both sides, don't be the person who like doesn't do any work and shows up and tries to get the A, but then don't be the person who I used to be who does all the work and gets the A for the whole team and then is mad that you had to do all the work, right? Like you need to make sure that everyone is showing up and, you know, kind of sharing that teamwork and that sort of thing, being positive, but being uh, honest, I think is a good, is a good quality mm -hmm. you're working you know on a team um and again being dependable all those a lot of those different things that we're talking about come into play in teamwork because you're working with other people um and i think a huge one is just being honest about who you are what your skill set is how you're going to show up what you're capable of and you know if you really want to be doing that work or not or whatever and then show up as that person um, because in a team it takes everybody showing up honestly to be able to like get the work done absolutely yeah i think it's um this is where you get into learning more about people and their childhoods and how they were raised and if they were raised to be independent or if they were raised to be what you quote unquote say as a team player and i do say uh, one of the people that I've worked with who I absolutely adore is one of my favorite humans to this day. Uh, she was a soccer player throughout high school and college, and she has a team mentality like no other person I've worked with. And she is much younger than I am. And so she's one of those people that I aspire to to think about when I think, and I think sometimes athletes have that, that work in team sports because they have to be a part of a group that, has to work together and I find that some people not all but a lot of athletes actually are really good in corporate settings when there is teamwork involved and so uh as as you grow up and you become an adult and I know we always joke about um doing like group projects and not wanting to be the person that gets stuck with the work there are ways to avoid that that's truly like charisma said communication all of the things that we talked about thus far play, play an important factor of being a good team member 
and understanding your strengths and again being dependable which means being honest up front so much honesty and and almost being a little bit vulnerable and like when you can't deliver or do something be upfront about it and just say hey this is not my strong point like i hate writing copy as, as i said i love writing but i hate writing copy for marketing reasons and so i will straight up at any point any client any person in, in a group setting where we're working on a project together i'm like i do not you don't want me to be the person to write the copy like i will do it if i have to do it for myself but this is the reason why i don't post on social media this is the reason why i don't do emails this is the reason why i don't really market you know in a blogging fashion because i don't like to do it i don't like to be uh, manipulative with my words it's just the way i like i don't like it i don't like having to to that's way my brain thinks and so um, working with people who are great at it. I'm so fascinated and so typically have really good relationships with copywriters because I find them fascinating and they can do the thing very easily that I struggle to do. So um, that comes with, again, being vulnerable and being honest and being dependable and showing up and doing your part. And at the end of the day, you end up having very successful relationships and partnerships and then also nipping in in the bud when it's not working out very early. So if you do embark on a partnership or a team, situation or group situation and early on the dynamics are just off or the vibes are bad uh, collectively get uh-huh. together earlier than later and just say this is not going to work this is not the partnership yep. this is not the the working relationship that we need to have and let's move it to something more casual and i'll find someone else to work on the project 100 and like if you already work with somebody on a team um and they know how you work really really well and they're very familiar with you and they happen to possibly know the other person um, sometimes getting that feedback of like, you know, is this going to be something that works can be really beneficial because you've given me that when I've gone into work with other people and it's like, you know how I work and, you know, sometimes we know like the basics of how the other person works and you're, you're like, you're probably not going to enjoy this. <laughs> so, and like you said, like kind of just knowing that early on when, when those red flags are there, don't push through. Like if you can, obviously it's like if you are at work and there's just no other way and you have to work with the person, then, you know, you, you find the way to work with them. But, um, yeah, if you're an entrepreneur and you can avoid working with that person, then avoid it. And I think that if there is somebody at work who, you know, you and them just don't work well together, maybe your, your skill sets do not complement each other. It's okay to talk to your boss about that. doesn't mean that you hate that person, but it's just like, oh, you know, so-and-so and I, maybe aren't with the right people for this job. Maybe like the team should be this and that. And again, I'm not saying this, like don't be blocking people's bag. Don't be like, well, I don't like them. So I'm going to block their bag. Like, don't do it like that. But I'm just saying it's like, if they're, if you're really like not the right fit for it, um, in that case, you should be in a position where you'd be ready to give up the project and let them take it with somebody who is, you know what I mean? If you're not, if you know, you're not going to be able to come into that and be a team player in the right way in that situation. So just kind of knowing yourself and being able to show up authentically as yourself and be honest about who you are, what you lack, you know, and, and what your strengths are. Um, and taking the ego out of it is, is, is a big part of it as well. It's like you're there for the project and stuff. And always you want to be able to be proud of your work and stuff. But it's like it's not always just all about you. And that's, you know, I think that I love that social media tells us like love ourselves, love ourselves, love ourselves because I am big on that. But at the same time, it's like love yourself and also let other people love themselves and love other people. All those things can coexist. You can be like that person's great and I'm great. You know what I mean? And that's a big part of like what teamwork is all about. So, all right. So the next one is adaptability. And this is one that I feel like if somebody kind of like we were talking about like how how people are raised and things like that, I think sometimes if people 
are raised in situations that aren't the best, they're actually really good at being adaptable. Um, because a like a little more stressful or like not together home situation while someone is being raised, um, which many of us had in the 80s, 90s, etc., um, it teaches you to be more adaptable uh, later on because you kind of have to be adaptable in that home setting when you're young. But this is also something that you can teach your kids or that, you know, people can learn in school and that sort of thing to be adaptable to different circumstances. And again, teamwork can come into play with this as well. Um, but yeah, when you're working in different situations, it's like, it's very beneficial to be able to be adaptable. And we've all seen that now with the pandemic, right? Like you think about teachers who, you know, have had to go through so many different circumstances with being adaptable during this pandemic, uh, students as well, uh, parents who were used to being able to drop their kids off at school, then had their kids in the house and they're, you know, kind of monitoring them, but also doing their jobs. So it's like, we've had to be way too adaptable. Like it's been the extreme. Um, so we all know a little bit about adaptability with this pandemic. Unfortunately, I think like way too much. But I think that there's beneficial ways to be adaptable um, as an entrepreneur or, you know, working in a regular job. And there's things that, you know, it should be, you should be accept expected to be an adapt adaptable to an extent. Um, like I said, I think what we've had to go through the pandemic, too much. But, you know, being, being able to work in different environments, work with different people, um, work in like different conditions, granted, if they're all healthy, positive working conditions, um, those are things that you should, you know, your employer should be able to expect from you or that you should be able to expect from yourself. Um, because little things happen and it's, it's just good to be able to be, you know, on your toes and be adaptable to the situation. For sure. Yeah. I think the act of chameleon, like being a camouflage and being adaptable, being chameleon and learning other skills and cross training into other mm-hmm. adjacent uh, paths get are very helpful. Or... Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you're on a team and you know how to do someone else's job, that makes you a much more valuable employee versus the person who is just there with their head down, kind of like, I only work on my task and that's it. That's not a team player. That's not <laughs> helping with any of the things we talked about. So just understanding a little bit of industries that are adjacent to you, again, as an entrepreneur, I, like I said, I don't like writing copy, but I know how to do it. <laughs> so yeah, it's if like all of us fails, yeah. if, if I can be adaptable. To do it, you can be adaptable if you have Exactly. To. In a project where I can jump in at any time to do it. The same thing with social. I absolutely abhor doing social media, but if if it needs to be, I'm jumping in on this social calendar and I'm putting these posts together and <laughs> doing all the stuff. So there's like certain things where you just need to understand how to do it and what kind of work goes into that and what that looks like. And so um being smart about it i think there that just there's so many benefits to being adaptable and it makes you a much more valuable company it makes you a much more valuable employee and it's it's really it makes you a more empathetic person and we'll talk about empathy a little bit but it really does understanding the shoes that other people are walking on in makes you a lot more understanding of just humans and it makes your people relations a lot better 100 percent so, all right. So number eight is organization, um, which is huge. Like a lot of people do not have the skill. They struggle with the skill. And this, I mean, this can be looked at in a lot of different ways from keeping a working space, like a neat and tidy working space that you can actually work in or, or like one where you know things are. It doesn't have to be like a perfect space, but, you know, one that you actually know things are and can get to things that tools that you need 
uh, in a proper amount of time. And that also relates to your actual computer, right? That it's <laughs> organized in a way where you can find the files you need, find the software that you need, find the tools you need. Um, and then organizing your life. Are your meetings set up in a way that makes sense for you? Do you have enough time in between meetings for breaks? And, you know, have you built breaks into your day? Like, have you organized it in that way? Do you have a good balance of your, uh, you know, social life, your personal time, your work, all that sort of thing? All that stuff kind of comes to organization. And then having systems in place to help you more effectively run your business. Um, all of that falls on organizations. So organizations, like, it's a big one. Yeah, I think people don't think about it a lot, <laughs> which is very not good. Um, this is the way how you stop making things bad is being organized and how to stop doing double work and dual work and, like, creating issues for yourself is truly just through the act of being an organized human. And I understand that it's a lot of work and it's not the fun work and it's not the work that looks shiny on social media and no one gets 3000. Well, that's not true. There are several people on TikTok that get followers from being organized. So that's definitely, there's, there's a space for that, but there is something to, to glamorize about being organized. I think if we do more of that as a society, like we, we uplift people who kind of have their stuff together and the way they do it and learn from them. Because I think that's the only way to learn how to be organized. Like, there are certain things that I didn't grow up doing in, in a space of work or even in a home that I learned, like, a, a, what they call, again, like, a hack. They're like, oh, this is a work hack. And this is an organization hack for your home. And you're like, oh, this is brand new information. So consistently be learning how to improve your organization skills within your role and what you do. Yes. So number nine is integrity. And a lot of corporate companies in America do not have integrity. Um, so this is just, you know, being honest, having like your moral principles, like, you know, just being, you know, like decent <laughs> and not even kind per se, just like not horrific, you know what I mean? Like being ethical. And, you know, I don't think that there's as much focus on ethics as there used to be. Um, people are, I think a lot of larger companies are more concerned about having, like, having to deal with HR, having to have PR nightmares. It's more like they're afraid of, oh, I hope this bad thing we did doesn't go viral, than, like, actually solving the problem. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. So I think that it's just definitely something that a lot of, like, corporate companies struggle with. Um, and integrity is also, I think, a reason that a lot of people do enjoy shopping at smaller uh, shops and, and you know, supporting small businesses. Because a lot of times small businesses do have integrity with what they're doing. And, uh, you know, you can kind of know that they're, like, decent, honest people with like morals and principles. So you kind of want to support those shops a lot more. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just showing up and being decent. And I, I, I wish that it was something that we kind of taught more of in, in, in younger years in grade school and stuff like that. Like, I don't think we teach enough of it. I feel like there's a big emphasis on don't do something wrong because then you'll get in trouble and you'll go to jail. Or, like, if you're religious, like, don't do something wrong because then you'll go to hell and, like, Jesus won't love you or whatever the, you know, DD is that that religious practice. And I feel like there's just not enough of, like, just, like, be a decent person because it's, like, 
the thing to do. You know what I mean? Um, and I feel like we can kind of talk about integrity number nine with number 10, which is empathy, because I feel like they kind of really go together in, in such a huge way. So it's like being able to put yourself in other people's shoes and look at, you know, what the world might look like from their perspective and understand the feelings of another person and care about that other person's feelings and just kind of not making it all about yourself. Like that's empathy. And I think that, you know, these two things go hand in hand. And that's another thing that I wish they taught more of, um, you know, at a younger age, because again, a lot of times parents are just not teaching their kids empathy. They're not like, I'm sorry, but, and, and, and there, there are parents that are. So if you're a parent that is, don't, don't, don't come for me. But I'm just saying many parents aren't. And I think you could try. <laughs> like, I dare. I dare It's like you. anybody that has a child in school knows this. Like, I've worked in the school system. John's worked in it for 18 years. And then, of course, we have a ton of kids in our lives. And, and just the things that you hear other kids saying, it's like, oh, they're not learning empathy at home. And unfortunately, um, you know, there's less and less time to teach things like integrity and empathy during the day at schools because teachers are being pressed for time. Like they're, they're starting to pull out, you know, music programs and stuff at schools. So do you think that they're going to let them have the time to teach integrity and empathy? No. And of course, a lot of teachers are still taking the time to do that and trying to, to fit that in. But it's just definitely something that in our culture here in America is not something we focus on the same way that they do in so many other cultures. And if you've been privileged enough to travel or you just maybe are close friends with somebody who lives in another country or whatever, and you've been able to experience some different cultures, um, then you know what I'm talking about. Or if you're an immigrant and you know the culture of like where you came from and then coming into American culture, it's like you can see that there is just a bit of a lack of integrity and empathy, I think, in our culture sometimes as a whole. Um, it's just not the things that we focus on. So of course that spills over into business, into the corporate world and can also trickle down to small businesses. And while there's, I think more small businesses that practice integrity, empathy, and actually care about showing up in the world and being good people, there's also small businesses that don't. And like, you know, we've heard some really bad stories, even about local places here in Orlando that have had business owners that have done really terrible things. Like there's one thing that I'll just talk about. Everybody kind of already knows about it, but there's one of like the bigger vegan chains that used to exist here, not a chain, but like a, a independent vegan restaurant and the husband and wife or whoever run it, they were like basically racist and they treated their employees horrifically. Their employees like went on strike and then it got out that they were like being very racist. And then basically the restaurant shut down because nobody like the husband was uh, like, not sexually harassing the employees who work there like it was, it was yeah there was like so so much going on there and um you know so it's like it, it happens on the smaller level too i think a lot of times we want to think oh it's a small business they've it's got to be better than a big box store or whatever but you know again they're run by people and, and people are flawed so you know i think that this is something that again if you are an entrepreneur and you do feel strongly about integrity and empathy continue to practice those on at the level that you're at going into it and continue to practice them when you get to a higher level because you don't want to be in a situation where you're kind of separated from your employees you're not really knowing what their day-to-day -day is like and they're suffering in these categories because you haven't really made those morals clear throughout your business and and you haven't made it clear that that's how you want your business to be run so it starts from the the top so it's like make sure that you're doing that and again if you're seeking seeking employment 
you can go ahead and ask in that interview, like, what are the things that your company does to show that your company ha company has empathy, that your company has integrity? I'd like to know how you practice that uh, in your service here at, you know, this company. So don't be afraid to ask those questions because it's definitely something that is lacking. Um, yeah, it, it happens in small businesses, unfortunately, more than you'd think. I know that, again, we just kind of want to like trust them blindly. But again, as two people that have worked as entrepreneurs for decades at this point, we've definitely seen our fair share of it, um, you know, just kind of all over the place. And on, you know, I'm talking businesses that's one person or five or 10 or 20 or 30 or 100. You know, we've seen it on so many different levels. So yeah, uh, so much to be said about this. The one thing that is helpful as an entrepreneur is setting up a manifesto. And as part of your separate from your business st statement, separate from your mission statement that includes these ideologies that you want to back and believe in as you hire employees, as you work with clients and let them know up front on your website. As we saw some, some fun ones today, still not over it. Um, <laughs> But one uh, that I really like is um, we've had, and we talk about her all the time just because uh, our business is very similar to mine, but they actually do so much and have expanded so much. But Abby Lehman of the Wonder Jam, they split, added a partner to one of their businesses and split their businesses into several different brands last year. And one of those business partners is Ashley Nixon, who lives in Jacksonville, and she wants the, runs their Shopify brand with basis and she posted yesterday about the manifesto that she came up with once they agreed to go into business together in partnership and it's one of the best manifestos i've seen and it's very i mean every tech company i'm sure you could all recite some of the steve jobs manifesto type thoughts that he had and wozniak and all of those people and all those guys but i like the way that she wrote her i like the thoughts that she has because it's about the people and like what you want to do and the work that you're doing so look at some of that when you're talking about being a more empathetic person and what you want to do with your business. Yes, 100%. So, I mean, that is a pretty good list to start out with. There are more soft skills than just that. Um, but if you can tackle these and, you know, really continue to practice them again, it's, it's not something that you should ever stop practicing. Make sure that you're reflecting and make sure that you're doing all these to the best of your ability. Um, and then again, if you're you know, if you have employees and that sort of thing, making sure that they're doing that as well. If you have any soft skills, do you think that we should shout out on social media? Be sure to um, go ahead and DM us those, email us those. Again, if you want to be on the holiday shopping guide, make sure that you're reaching out. Let us know what you're going to be offering for the holidays. Um, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.